Hi, everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. We would like to thank Bosch for making this episode possible. Take advantage of the advanced video capabilities offered by Bosch to help reduce your shrink risk. Integrate video recordings with point-of-sale data for visual verification of transactions and exception reporting. Use video analytics for immediate notification of important AP-related events and leverage analytics metadata for fast forensic searches for evidence and to improve merchandising and operations. Learn more about extending your video system beyond simple surveillance in Zones 1 through 4 of LPRC's Zones of Influence by visiting Bosch online at boschsecurity.com. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Crime Science, the podcast for the LPRC. This is the latest in our weekly update series coming to you from Gainesville. And I'll be joined today again by colleagues Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan and our producer, Diego Rodriguez. We'll zip through this. I'm getting ready to go get on an airplane, uh, everybody. But uh, looking at COVID-19, new studies around repeated uh, infections. Very interesting. How often will... uh, Will people, humans, uh, possibly get infected and reinfected by COVID-19? Um, there evidently are millions of people that have been reinfected, some uh, within months of a prior infection. Some estimates from some scientists are estimating that this could be that type of uh, endemic virus um, where we've got people getting infected up to three times a year, maybe even more. Um, and, and think again, go back to some of the rhinoviruses or I guess coronavirus. Uh, colds that we get, some people will get them two, three times a year, um, I, and some people will catch the flu more than once as well. So um, stay tuned for more on that. Uh, but the virus, as they look at it, just really continues to generate new variants, um, new ways to escape our natural immune systems, vaccines, and, th- and so forth. That's what viruses do. Um, so stay tuned. But it looks like while infections are up currently, Death rates are way down, uh, sometimes much as half or more. So that's encouraging. But you have to always, always dig into the data and understand who is it that's getting infected and who, why and how and how seriously are they infected? And, of course, who, again, uh, succumbs to the to the disease and uh, what are the what's the background factors there? What are some of the other dynamics happening to better understand Protection, uh, there's still some recommendations for masking, but you're seeing by by and large, most of the estimates are, uh, unless you're talking about a, an N95 properly fitted or a KN95 type mask properly fitted or a couple of surgical masks or something like that, um, that it's not particularly effective, even though there's still some evidence that just, uh, again, screening out some of the viral particles on one or both ends can reduce the inoculum or the dosing that another person might onboard, um, and that can help explain the seriousness of the illness they might get or have to fight uh, based on the amount of inoculum. So looking over at uh, some of the new testing coming out, finally there's going to be in-home testing <clears throat> for that will be widespread, non-prescription, that would not only be for a COVID or a coronavirus type testing, but also RSV and flu. We talked about that earlier. 
um, the utility and value of something like that, where if some member of the family is feeling very ill, looks like they've got a virus, some type of infection, to know is it RSV, is it influenza, is this coronavirus, could be very helpful. Um, so stay tuned on that. The U.S. government, the administration saying they're getting ready to make available millions more COVID tests that people can order again for in-home testing, should they want to do that. Um, uh, looking around the world, we see China, certain areas dealing with a lot of infections, but sometimes beyond harshly, um, uh, there looks to be some at least temporary, very severe damage to the economy, uh, as well as mental health uh, and these incredible, sometimes violent crackdowns. But then we look to North Korea that uh, some reports are saying have zero percent vaccination, that the infection has just gone rampant. Uh, they're scrambling and uh, Evidently, a pretty brutal society, and how they're dealing with this is is uh, no exception. Um, looking at the uh, vaccines available right now in human clinical trials, 120, 55 for um, that we're looking at in phase one trials. Candidates, 48 vaccine candidates in phase two, another 48 now in phase three. You see a lot moving into heavy-duty extensive testing, uh, and then again, 31 are in current use. Um, one that uh, I understand many physicians and uh, particularly infectious disease docs are looking forward to in the United States is uh, one called Covaxin. Uh, it, it's uh, evidently not an mRNA, which they are very high on, uh, that most of us that have been vaccinated got, but are looking at this as a total virus that's been neutralized, but that allows the immune system to recognize not only the spike protein or parts of the spike protein, which is proven very powerful uh, in preventing ser serious disease, um, but the Covaxin looks to be 93% efficacious um, in those under 60, you know, roughly over 70% for those up to X amount of age, diminishing down to really about 65 to 70%. So looks to be highly efficacious, um, high, very, very safe, but pr may provide even more protection since more parts of a coronavirus um, particle would be recognized and reacted to and neutralized by our systems, our immune systems, the innate and adaptive. So stay tuned on that. Moving over to the LPRC front, um, looking at, uh, I'll be on the road this week speaking in Chicago to NACS, the National Association of Convenience Stores, the CEO Summit. Very excited about that. We're going to be talking about aggressive street behavior, as I mentioned before, uh, homeless and harm. You know, what do we do? How do we work collectively with communities, with each other, uh, with our law enforcement partners uh, or those in other areas to help reduce uh, the issue as well as, of course, now how do we tactically and collectively collaboratively work on uh, place protection since and we'll go through all all types of harms created from uh, just impeding behavior, uh, movement in and out of a parking lot or in and out of a store or part of the store or, say, the restroom uh, over to intimidation where customers or employees are not even coming to that location uh, or not returning to that location, um, as well as uh, quite a bit of theft. And then, again, even very aggressive behavior, overdoses and other uh, non-responsive uh, other situations there. And uh, future research to be done, particularly by our team here at the LPRC. Uh, then later this week, speaking at the LPA uh, Lost Prevention Foundation's uh, event in uh, Charlotte. 
So excited about both of those there. We'll be going through a lot of good research that uh, Dr. Corey Lowe on the LPRC team, senior research scientist, has conducted on organized retail crime, but pulling together some other research, but looking at articulating and really discussing uh, what are some better and better ways to uh, to detect the issue, to find the issue, to help the law enforcement, the community, legislatures more uh, better understand the dynamics, but help us on the scene get better at protecting the merchandise, protecting the things that are being stolen, the fraud that's being committed in an organized way, getting better at that self-protection, and then finally getting better at documenting these events, tying in individual to a specific event and even better tying that individual to other individuals and those individuals to a series of events a continuing criminal enterprise you know you hear rico uh charges and so on but for that sort of continuing criminal enterprise how do we tie all this together write better more complete but succinct reports that include all the elements of the crime uh, that include much better documentation of uh, digital signatures from smartphones, tag numbers, vehicle descriptions, of course, all types of facial and uh, other body imagery that can be used to further identify these people, identify the crimes, help articulate, tie them together and come up with much better cases. And as we see more states uh, standing up, special prosecutors, task forces and so on to assist the retailers on our side, we need to get better at, again, all the above. So. Stay tuned on that. Look forward to uh, LPRC uh, uh, different summits that we've got coming up. Again, violent crime, supply chain protection, both taking place in Philadelphia this summer. Uh, we've got the SOC and Sensor Summit coming from the LPRC Innovation Working Group. We'll be in Gainesville in late August. Um, we're excited about that. And then, of course, the Impact Conference coming up that October 3rd through 5th. So please hit the LPRC website, subscribe to the LPRC uh, connect newsletter at lpresearch.org or operations at lpresearch.org. So come by our labs, pay us a, a visit, let us know what you all think. Everybody stay safe out there. Um, let me now turn it over to Tony Nofrio. Tony. Thank you, Reed, uh, for all those great updates. Uh, let me start this week from uh, CNBC uh, uh, with a summary on the latest data on China's economic performance. For April 2022, China reported a drop in retail sales and industrial production, far worse than analysts had expected. Retail sales fell 11.1% in April from a year ago, more than six, more than uh, the 6.1% decline predicted in a Reuters poll. Industrial production dropped 2.9% in April from a year ago, in contrast to the expectation of a slight increase of 0.4%. Now, I keep focusing on China because this is alarming news as China is a major market for many global retailers that listen to the pod podcast. Additionally, pre-COVID, the country was also leading innovation in the digital to physical retail space. So we all need to keep an eye on China as it is a vital contributor to future global growth. Let me switch now to a different topic and uh, summarize some interesting data from this past week presented in an IHL webinar. In 2021, IHL reported that North America saw retail losses of $165 billion due to shrink and insufficient uh, 
management of digital journeys. All those new store services or digital journeys that we added during the pandemic are detracting from margin versus traditionally walking into a store and doing shopping, personal, your own shopping. The top three highest average margin point loss include buy online, return to store, which has an average margin loss of 8.1%, buy online, pick up in stores, ship to store for pickup as a net point loss of 6.8%, and buy in store, ship from warehouse as a net point loss of 6.3%. Interesting, especially for this audience, the top three technology priorities for all retailers for 2022 are number one, inventory visibility, number two, POS uh, refresh infrastructure, and number three, personalized uh, customer experience. Number one, again, is, is a lot of the technologies that we talked about at the LPSC, like RFID and also computer vision, those play well in inventory visibility. Also very interesting for retailers that grew more than 10% in the previous year and are considered industry leaders, the top three technology uh, priorities for this group are contactless payments, inventory visibility, and optimizing profitability for those digital journeys that we just talked about a few minutes ago. And let me end uh, this week with a really, really great summary from um, NRF on what happened in terms of store openings and closings in the first quarter of 2022 for the USA retail industry. In the first three months of 2022, uh, major US headquarter retailers are now plans to open 4,400 stores, similar to the first three months of last year. And however, and to close only 635 stores, which is down from about uh, 2100 uh, closing announcement in the first calendar quarter of 2021. As has been the case for some time now, the op opening announcements are concentrated in discount dollar and off price sectors, which have various qualities elements and make them less vulnerable to online competition and less tran translatable to e-commerce in general than many other retailers. Five Below, now just some example in terms of who's opening and closing. Five Below, which expanded its price point uh, above $5, which is five beyond initiative, really announced plans to triple the store count to more than 3,500 by the end of physical 2030. The company will open 925 to 1,000 stores over the next four years on a base of more than 1,200 stores. Family Dollar is planning to open 400 new stores this year on a base of 8,000 plus stores, while Dollar Tree is planning to open 190 stores on a base of also 8,000 plus stores. Dollar General is also aggressively growing with plans to open 1,110 stores uh, in 2022. Turning uh, to the off-price retailers, uh, TJ Maxx announced plans to open 150 new stores this year across this concept on a base of nearly 4,700 stores. Burlington plans to open 90 stores on a base of 840, and Ross stores said it will open 75 new stores uh, dressed for less, Ross dressed for less, and 25 DD discounts this year on a base of more than 1,900 stores. 
on a combined basis and including a few others that I mentioned above. Discount dollar and off-price retailer are now plans to open 2240 stores or roughly half of the amount announced uh, new stores in 2022 year-to-date through March. So really good news. And it continues. O'Reilly Automotive said it, it plans to open 175 to 185 new stores, which implies just over 3% growth on their base of 5,700 stores. Advanced Auto Parts plans to open 125 to 150 stores on a base of 5,000 stores. AutoZone is also uh, growing the store base, uh, but has announced, and I, but they haven't announced yet what the real number is. The re- research also confirmed the trend that I've been talking about for a long time, which is all those stores that were selling new stuff online only are now opening physical stores. Walby, Walby Parker announced plans to open 40 new stores on a base of 160, which implies 25% growth. Other digital natives opening stores includes Lab Atlanta brand, which will open 30 to 40 stores on a base of 227. Fabletics, uh, which expects to open 30 new stores on a base of 70. And Allbirds, which is planning to open 16 to 17 stores on a base of 35. So again, uh, physical stores um, are becoming important to all those digital natives that only sell your line. Now, who's closing stores? On the opposite side, Full Locker is leading among the retailers closing stores with closing 190 stores on its base of 2,800. Uh, Full Locker is also planning 100 new stores this year. However, so the net plan reduction is just 90 stores. Other retailers closing stores include Amazon, which is closing its brick and mortar bookstores and four star stores. Gap and Banana Republic North America, which plans to close 50 to 60 stores combined out of, a, out of 960. And Genesco, which is also planning to close 46 out of these 1,425 stores. And then Chico uh, said it will close 40 of its 1,200 stores and Children's Place said it's plans to close 40 stores out of its 670 base. So overall, really good news for physical retail, which is very important here at the Loss Prevention Research Council. So join us to see where we take physical stores next. And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Thank you, Reed. I apologize if there's background noise. I'm actually in Las Vegas at RFID Journal uh, taping this. and wanted to kind of start out with our uh, it's a pretty hefty crowd uh, at RFID Journal, and one of the great things is uh, Joe Cole from Macy's spoke about ORC. Um, I'll be speaking about a new product related to ORC, and then there's a lot more conversation about total RFID in retail, not just inventory visibility, what are the asset protection applications, um, what are some of the buy-in-line pick-and-store applications, so a lot of uh, more talk. and. A tremendous amount of traffic and energy. It's kind of uh, the same feel that I think we spoke about at Rela. People really being out and engaging, uh, both from the international front and the, the domestic front. So very exciting stuff. And I feel like much of, with everything else, the digital transformation in retail, uh, there's a much greater emphasis on the need for RFID and the understanding of how it will help as a total solution. So very exciting things there. Um, and I'm sure that I'll have more to chat about uh, in the next episode. 
also wanted to just kind of talk about some of the things that are occurring around civil unrest. We're, we're seeing pockets of civil unrest popping up, on, popping up all throughout the country. Um, and we have this kind of dynamic political situation where we have some some civil unrest about some of the unfortunate shootings, civil unrest around abortion, and we just have a, a, a kind of a melting pot of civil unrest popping up. To date, uh, we have not seen as uh, much violence or, or looting, but we, we continue to monitor and look at if, if, when and if we need to activate the fusion center. So definitely something that we'll, we'll continue to monitor. Uh, I feel like we, we are repetitive in talking about this, but I think there's a need to always keep it top of mind. And then uh, certainly not the, the last thing I'd like to talk about today, but I thought it was uh, relevant that we had um, one of the active shooting incidents um, in the past couple of weeks, there were several, was actually live streams. So here's this, so we talk about social media and how to monitor and, and where we are today, where you have an active shooter event, where someone is live streaming the event, live streaming the driving up to a live streaming the actual event. So you have this horrific, terrible crime happening and live, the live streaming of it. And it just brings a whole new level of kind of what we often talk about here is how do you consume all of those sensors to help for early indication? I don't think in this particular instance, uh, social media monitoring would have helped because of the timing, but it's important to just revisit when you do have a social media monitoring program, how you deal with the data, how you access it, and what, what actions you take when you do have something that occurs. Um, I was actually traveling uh, when, it, when it occurred and within a few minutes of it, uh, there were just hundreds of videos of the event occurring uh, and replays, some through media with obviously very limited and then some through back channels on the internet. So we, as we continue to evolve in this social media world, what can we do as retailers, law enforcement professionals, intelligence professionals to take advantage of the social media aspect of it? I think, again, in this circumstance, it would be very hard to do things differently. This was being streamed, live streamed. Uh, in a manner that I think, uh, you know, looking back at them, I'm sure that there could have been the action taken. But the next question is, what can we learn from the live streaming in the next event? Uh, one thing I think we're, we're starting to hear is, uh, what is the social responsibility angle of social media? We've, we've talked many times about big tech and how big tech is in this uh, kind of interesting conundrum because they are privately held companies and what is their duty to censor? What is their duty to take action? And how you have that kind of middle ground of um, anytime any action is taken, anytime anything is done, there are usually two sides of it. Obviously, with violence, that's not the case. Um, but are there are there methodologies that will be implemented? There is advanced AI that is out that is available, and today social media is, is using some really advanced AI to identify child pornography, sexually explicit content, and violent content. So I think we're going to continue to see that evolve and. If over the next six to eight months, you may, we may see some more AI being utilized to try to identify this through live streaming. So I think it's a space that's very interesting and that we should keep an eye on. And then I just wanted to touch on one last thing from a cybersecurity risk platform, because I think this is something that's new um, to the kind of mainstream audience, not new to the back channel cybersecurity risk audience. But... Most modern smartphones, and especially phones that were in the last three to five years, 
have a feature that would allow you, even if your phone is powered down, to identify where it is. Well, much like uh, any technology out there, there are some nefarious actors that are being able to take advantage of that and actually hacking into a phone even if it's turned off. So yes, you're hearing that right. Even if your device is turned off, certain phones have the capability of still emitting and receiving a signal. Uh, the, there's kind of a couple different use cases. The real good reason here is if you do, were trying to track a lost or stolen device and it, it was turned off, you'd still be able to use it, but it also allows for some nefarious actors to do things. So as we talk about the risk landscape changing, some of the mitigation methods don't actually uh, act the way you think. And then also I think it's just important that if you are in a position where you really want to be privacy conscientious, do you think that just turning the phone off will do it? It actually doesn't. Uh, and there are some settings and ways to kind of turn some of these features off, but by design, this is to help people track the phone if they lose it. Reason I think it's important to talk about it here is because as we talk about risk, we're continuing to see more sophisticated attacks. They're taking advantage of some of the feature sets that are designed to help you protect your devices. So we'll continue to monitor that much like we do with everything else. And with that, I will turn it back over to Reed. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Tom, for all that information. Thank you, Tony, as well. Uh, thank you, Diego, our producer. And of course, mostly thank you all for listening. Uh, we'd love you to contribute. It's at operations at lpresearch.org is the best way to get a hold of us. Always check out. We're, uh, Diego and team are always updating lpresearch.org, the website new stuff all the time. If you're not getting the Connect newsletter, again, uh, queue us up. It's no problem. It's free. It's for everybody. And it's at operations at lpresearch.org. So everybody stay safe and safe and connected. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council and sponsored by Bosch Security. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 